Welcome to the Start HBS Podcast, a conversation between Harvard Business School students and folks who have been on audacious journeys starting meaningful ventures. We're your hosts, Alex Spencer and Raheem Nur-Muhammad, students at the Harvard Business School. Our guest today is Naveed Nathu, co-founder of the Knowledge Society. The Knowledge Society is a human accelerator designed for students ages 13 to 17. Their mission is to build the next generation of global leaders with a sense of purpose, tenacity, resourcefulness, leadership, and vision. Enjoy the conversation. Naveed, thank, thanks for coming in. When, when you were in school, in undergrad, you had a bunch of different experiences, right? With the CPPIB, with the AKDN, with Grameen Bank, and eventually you, that led you to a path of entrepreneurship uh, and starting your first company, Live Advisors. Can you tell us a little bit more about what made you make that jump and how you arrived at at that idea? So the more I think about people, the more the more I really feel that people are innately born with certain characteristics. And I think that as we go through life, you know, we're born with a, a certain amount of like potential or a certain amount of ability to gravitate towards something. And as you go through life, your probability to actually reach that potential or reach that place you gravitate to either increases or decrease with, with your surroundings. And so I think like I was all, always gravitating towards like wanting to create something, like wanting to start something and also wanting to rebel. So it's like I think those pieces are pretty fundamental when when you want to actually like start something because starting something sucks like it's so much easier to to just have someone tell you what to do at a job and like get paid and know what's know what you're going to do and then when you go on vacation you can actually disconnect whereas like yesterday was a long weekend and i didn't i didn't know right it was just like oh yeah like oh it's a weekend yeah the only reason i know is because like everyone else is closed so um so i think i think yeah i think people are People are going to gravitate towards certain things, um, which is pretty controversial when you think about it, because then it's like, oh, so we can't train people to be entrepreneurs. And that's kind of what I'm saying that, like, I don't know if you can train people to be entrepreneurs. Like, I think that people are either going to have like a certain level of spark in them, like whatever those like genetic, uh, genetic innate qualities are that let them succeed at those things, whether it is being rebellious, whether it is leading a team of a lot of people, I think. Yeah. Arrogance is actually part of that uh, mix. A lot of people, you know, view arrogance as a bad word, and you know, it probably is a bad word. But I think that you have to be arrogant to think that you can change something that's been around for so long. Right. Like, look at what we're doing right now at TKS. We literally think we can change the whole, the the entire way that we develop people to solve problems. Like we're we're literally changing one of the fundamental pieces of society that we call the education system. And I think you have to have some arrogance to believe that the way you do it is better than everybody else. Right. Like we fundamentally believe that the way we do things is better than every other educational institution in the world. That's, that's pretty big, it's right? Pretty, yeah, pretty bold. One question for you. So what were the sparks? What were the sparks that, that you had? Like take me to a moment like where you rebelled or where you kind of, you know, started developing that sense of, maybe a contrarian like mindset, like, hey, I can do my own thing. I can I can start something. So I think this is where like those innate qualities come. So when you're sitting in, in class and, you know, whatever it is, grade seven math, 
and your teacher writes a formula on the whiteboard and it's wrong. And you realize like, wait, what? My teacher can be wrong? <laughs> did, did this happen you know? to you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you just like, and you and you have this, this moment where it's like, whoa, they're not like as smart as we think they're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And I think I had that realization very early with like everything around me that like the world is not that smart. For some reason, things operate. And I'm still confused on how that happens. I, I just think like it's it's literally just money, right? And as like a little side note, the only way that companies fail, that startups fail is if you run out of money. Like you could literally be doing everything wrong. You could have a really crappy culture. You could have a really crappy product. But if somehow you're getting money, you're not going to yeah. fail. Okay. And that's just how eventually I started viewing the world that like, wow, this is like a very inefficient not that great place to live, even though it's the best time in history to like ever survive and live and experience this. Um, it's not that great. And then there's this Steve Jobs quote. I think it's from his commencement speech at Stanford where he's like, everything around you was built by people who are no different than you. You know, like that's nuts. You literally have one of the smartest people, you know, arguably one of the most driven, most entrepreneurial people in history um, that significantly changed the course of, of the future, tell you that people are no different than you. And when you kind of dig into it, you realize, wait, this guy is the guy that met presidents from across the world, the world's most powerful CEOs, like most powerful religious leaders. And this guy is saying that they are no different from you. And one thing that I really believe to be true is listen to smart people. Like if you know someone smart, you should just listen to them. And this is, I think, also something that that helped me like catalyze my journey and help me do the things I want to do is I don't, I don't overthink things too much. Like if someone smart is just like, do this, I'll be like, okay, I just do that. And if I fail, I learn whatever, but usually it's not the case. Usually I just like skip a bunch of, um, you know, time that it would have taken me to just learn that in the first place. And you have this guy telling you everyone's no different than you. That's nuts. And I think once you truly fundamentally internalize that, that you can, change the way things work and that everything that we see this mic this table the earphones you're listening to this on is just made by people and that person is not smarter than you not better than you they just wanted to do that thing it's like a holy crap moment that like oh i just need to do it that's it like i'll figure it out along the way what do you mean i don't need like a master's and phd to do x like I can just figure it out. Don't, you probably don't need an MBA from Harvard Business School either. Yeah. Right? <laughs> well, I think that's that's another like really interesting topic, like the way future uh, the like the future of education is going, right? And all the different paths as well. And what are kind of the skills and what are the important things you learn from institutions? Like I, a lot of people are, you know, you see a ton of articles about like, oh, Harvard Business School isn't the greatest anymore, or whatever, but. There's so many different angles to look at education in. And I think it's because we use the word education. It's a it's a really bad word because uh, 50 years ago, if you wanted to get the best education, where would you go? Harvard. Like you would literally go here. But today, when you ask most people, like, where did you learn the most information from? Right. They would say the Internet. Yeah. So it's not really about education anymore. It's about life. It's about networks. It's about people but we still use this outdated word education when it comes to school. And uh, I think that's also why we're not seeing a ton of change in that quote unquote education system is 
we're just using the wrong word for it. It shouldn't be an education system. It should be a human development system. And if we started calling it, you know, a human development system, an HD system, we might think about, oh, wait, if we're trying to develop people, we should probably stop doing this. We should probably stop doing that. We should probably start doing other things like, hey, if we're going to develop people, we should probably train people on how to be kind. Huh. Why don't we have a kindness course? Right. But if you call it the education system, you're never going to get there. You're just going to think about math and English and all those other things that you can learn from Khan Academy or whatever. So, so Naveed, let's, uh, let's, let's back up a bit. I think that there's a bunch of interesting tangents that I want to jump off on. Uh, you said earlier, you know, context environment matters a lot, right? You need to be in a situation where um, you can, you know, maximizing your potential requires certain environmental factors to be true. If you think back to when you started thinking about entrepreneurship and, and, and having these conversations, you know, realizing that, hey, it's just other people like me, you know, what was that environment like? What did that environment need to be like in order to, to uh, kind of unlock that potential? So I think that's a, that's the interesting question. Like when you think about, okay, so if you're born with a certain amount of potential, if you do believe that to be true, and now all you can do is maximize the probability to achieve that potential and that mix is split between nature and nurture, then the question is, well, in you individually, what percent of that is nature and what percent of that is nurture? Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's the same for everyone. So one thing I do believe to be true is that there are probably millions of people in history that had such a high potential to make a positive impact in the world and the people around them. But because their probability to achieve that potential was so low given their environmental um, situation mm -hmm. and because the the per probability to achieve that potential is so dependent on their environment they never got there so let's let's make it let's make it real today what do you think are the biggest factors that are kind of holding us back or you know that are preventing people from reaching their potential cool so let me just finish answering your question and then let, I'll definitely talk about that so so that was the first piece that like um, there's that probability split and then the percent of nature and nurture I think is different for different people you look at Elon Musk you look at Steve Jobs like Steve Jobs is a great example he grew up with parents who who adopted him they didn't have a ton of money you know like there was so many things that was against him he, he shouldn't have succeeded the way he did but according to this hypothesis the probability to achieve that potential was largely uh, nature or not largely yeah largely nature not nurture whereas there's so many other people who are so heavily dependent on nature that they don't actually get there which i think is one of the one of our biggest problems as a as humanity is the loss of human potential when you think about the world's most important resource it's not gold it's not oil it's not money it's people and, right. and when you think about people it's the it's human potential but the way we mine human potential is like using a pickaxe pickaxe to mine for gold like we are not innovating on mining our most important resource. And I think that's ridiculous. It's such an interesting thought experiment. I mean, what if Einstein, you know, was a patent agent for the rest of his life? <laughs> if we wouldn't have satellites, there's so much. Well, fun. yeah, and I think that the crazy thing is like how many potential Einsteins were there that were just patent agents, Yeah. right? Because they, you're experienced, you, you get experienced to the same thing. You see all these amazing patents. Even today, there's so many smart PhDs patenting so many interesting things and then nothing happens with it. It literally sits on a shelf. That is human potential rotting away. And it's because I think that probability of, of nature is low and nurture is just higher. And so 
so this question is super interesting, Raheem, where you're like, okay, what increases that, that, you know, nurture probability? So after doing TKS for a few years now and literally surrounding myself with thousands of people, parents, TK, students. TKS is the Knowledge Society. The Knowledge Society, yeah. So Your company. For those of you that don't know, trying to solve the world's biggest problems by developing the next generation of Elon Musk's. Uh, through this organization called the Knowledge Society. Ages 13 through 17, right? Ages 13 to 17, yeah. Actually, we just launched a new program this year called Foundations that's age 9 to 12. So really trying to fundamentally rethink the way we shape people and develop people to not only make a positive impact in the world, but also achieve things like self-actualization, achieve what it means to be the best possible human, uh, and this kind of goes back to Aristotle, Socrates. Uh, know thyself. Yeah, I'm, I'm really big into philosophy. I think it's kind of ridiculous that most people don't know who these people are because, you know, life is the most important thing to us yeah. and we don't understand it. And yet we know a lot about Shakespeare. For some reason, I know too much about Shakespeare. <laughs> you know, like that doesn't make sense. Well, it's shaped the English language. Um, <laughs> so, so we do a lot with philosophy and, and, and TKS and we do a lot with emerging technologies because we think that's the key to unlocking your potential to solve big problems today. Like if, if you could solve a ton of big problems with Plato, we'd be using Plato all day long, right? right. And, and I don't mean Plato the philosopher. I mean like Plato, <laughs> like, like Play-Doh. Right. Uh, <laughs> that's confusing. That's a bad example. Um, but yeah, so, so being around all these kids, I, I've seen like a bunch of things. I think the first thing is community. I think your environment and the people you surround yourself with dictate how you think, especially if you that percentage of, of nurture is super high. The, those people will completely dictate how you think. Um, and so, you know, there's that famous quote I think most people have heard, you know, you are the average of your five closest friends or right. something like that, right? I think that's super true for most people. Um, I think there are certain exceptions like me and my brother, for example, we were just always naturally just thinking different than other people. We never really kind of just like molded to everyone. I mean, to a certain extent we did, but not all the way, right? I think you have to adapt at any different level. I think that's what, what humans are best at. That's why we've survived this long and literally just like conquered the world in technically a short amount of time because um, we're really great at adapting. But our environment is huge. And when you think about evolution, like it makes sense. We grew up in tribes. If you didn't adopt the same cultural norms and, and same kind of mindset and everything as your tribe, you wouldn't fit in. You would come, everyone would get into arguments. You wouldn't survive. So now bring that to today. We have this thing that for some reason everyone uses every day called Instagram. And that is proliferating an environment and a mindset and a culture that isn't even real. Like everyone is adopting a certain mindset that doesn't, that's not even real. And it's, it's pretty negative to our society. And so, so you're saying, so, so, so coming back, you're saying first, first blocker to maximizing potential is the environment you're in. And, and we've kind of evolved over time to conform to our environment. And that's, and uh, that's kind of, uh, it prevents an innovative mindset and it, it prevents people from maximizing their potential because to do so you need to kind of break out. Yeah, I think it's super interesting when you take like a bird's eye view and you look at um, 
the mainstream cultural norms, the first thing we have is everyone wants security. Um, and, and that's not a bad thing, right? Like we want to know that we're going to have income so that we can pay for rent, we can pay for our kids' education, dot, dot, dot. To get certainty um, in, in your cash flow, you want to have certainty in your job. So when you look at certainty in your job, what are the most certain jobs that society kind of agrees on? Doctor, lawyer, you know, engineer, those types of things. And so in order to get the best, the most certain of the certain jobs, where should you go to get hired? Well, Harvard, Stanford, etc. And when you look at those places, it's interesting because the path, that path of certainty is equivalent to a ton of competition. And so what happens when there's a ton of competition? You have to work really, really hard, right? You have to study way harder. You have to sacrifice a lot more if you want to beat out that competition. And what ends up happening is you focus on, a lot of people focus on that, on, around beating competition. And, and a lot of people, especially the ones that aren't naturally gifted or, or talented or have you know, a better myelin sheath than someone else or whatever, doesn't make it. And then what do they do? Like they spend their whole life chasing after one goal after the other. That's pretty meaningless. But because their parents told them like, this is what you need to do. You know, you need to go to this school or like, this is what we think is good. We think doctors are good. Like you wouldn't believe how many, I mean, you probably would believe how many kids want to be a doctor just because their parents said you should be a doctor. And like, that's what right. they value. And that's what they want to tell their friends, their parent friends that, oh, my kid's a doctor, right? And that kid probably shouldn't have been a doctor. Maybe that kid should have been like an actor, maybe a painter, maybe okay. an inventor. So, so walk me through how the Knowledge Society takes that sort of status quo path and flips it on its head. Like, what are you guys doing to change the environment to, you know, like you said, give these kids network and learning and get to self-actualization are you you know giving them play not plato that you play with but plato <laughs> the philosopher you know at age 13 and having them read philosophy or, or or walk me through that you know contrast so the first thing that we do is we build a physical community of like-minded people right when you i don't know if it was like this with you guys like when you were in school did all of your friends think like ambitiously? Were they super like curious about the world? Did they want to make a positive impact? Or no. were they just thinking about like You're the next? You're talking like K through 12? Yeah. Absolutely not. No, it was just survival. <laughs> Same thing, Raheem? Yeah, my, my school was a little bit different uh, in that it was, there, there were high achievers, but kind of high achievers within the mold of what we were just talking about, right? That 20 out of 100 of my class um, are now doctors, right? That was That was the gold standard. Yeah. So for I think the first thing we have to do is create the ideal environment with the with certain qualities. So, for example, there's four qualities that I, I really care about. The first one is um, curiosity. I mean, it's crazy because like if I was listening to this and I hear the word curiosity, I'm like, yeah, obviously. But it's actually a real thing. Like be, being curious is real. The way I define curious is the pursuit of information without reason. So I want to find people that just want to know stuff for no reason. Like, oh, 
why do why does the light turn on so fast when I like, flip the switch? You know, if you're five years old and thinking about that, that's amazing. Cause like right. that doesn't matter to you. You're five years old. Who cares, right? <laughs> but that's like these these signals of curiosity, the signals that you're you're interested to pursue information with no reason. So what what is it about your curriculum or your programs at the Knowledge Society? Like how do you foster curiosity in the in the kids that you're dealing with? So. I'll, I guess I'll get to the three, three later, the three others later. But for curiosity specifically, my hypothesis is that I don't think you can, you can create curiosity. I think you can only nurture it and stop it from leaving. Like when we're born, right. I, I mean, I think a lot of people say this. Like kids are all curious. Like kids want, like, what's that? What's this? Course, you know, yeah. they'll eat that ladybug or whatever. <laughs> they'll ask Absolutely. why, why, why? Annoy their parents. But some way along the journey, you know, we we beat the curiosity out of them and then we put them in a in a room where like they're not allowed to ask questions. They have to memorize information. And at some point, you know, the people who stay curious for somehow, I don't know how, but they just they just want to keep learning more. And if you put them in an environment where it's not just okay to be curious, but it's encouraged and you get rewarded to be curious and and you feel good because people give you positive reinforcement loops for right. asking interesting questions and knowing random things that literally don't matter, you know, that's incredible. Cause now people are like, oh, this is good. This is a good thing that I ask all these random questions like, like about black holes or about um, physics or whatever the case is, right? Like if someone comes up to you and asks about event horizons, what's the normal person gonna be like? Event horizon? Like, what do you mean event horizon? Whereas in TKS, if someone asks you about an event horizon, you're like, oh, you mean from a black hole? I don't know. Let's research it together. Like, let's spend two hours just learning everything we can figure out about event horizons and black holes and all this stuff. So what what are some of the outcomes uh, of folks that have gone through TKS? Like, you know, you mentioned maybe young, budding armchair astrophysicists. (laughs) uh, But what, you know... Are you guys, I mean, Elon Musk is into so many things. We're talking, you know, deploying satellites and rockets into, you know, low Earth orbit and like building, you know, obviously electric vehicle company. Um, so what are, what are the sorts of outcomes that some of your, you call them students? Yeah, I call them students. Some we, of your we learners. We call them TKS innovators. We have three, innovators. three programs, three years, innovate, activate, disrupt. So Got innovators, it. activators, and disruptors. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they're they're killing it, but so I kind of separate into like tangible and intangibles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I I have playbooks in in TKS and and in these playbooks, one of them is what does success look like in TKS. One of my favorite quotes um, is from Alice in Wonderland, and Alice is like trying to find I think the Mad Hatter or something, and she ends up in this forest, and there's all these different paths, and uh, she's at this intersection, and she doesn't know where to go, and there's this like there's this cat that comes into the into the tree. You guys remember that cat? He's like this yeah. weird cat. His head's floating on the side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So the, the cat's like something like, you know, like, hey, like, what are you doing? And she's like, I need help. And he's like, well, um, what do you need? And she's like, I, I, I don't know which path to take. And he's like, well, where are you going? And she says, I don't know. Right. And he's like, well, then any path will take you there. <laughs> and I just had this holy crap moment. Like, that was genius, right? Yeah. Like, that's insane. Yeah. 
And I just paused it and I made that my iPhone wallpaper and now I look at it every day. Like if you yeah. don't know where you're going, any road will take you there. Right. And so anyways, in TKS, we, we really outline like here's the goals, um, separate into tangibles and intangibles. Um, so I'll start kind of the high level and I'll bring it back to like what students are doing right now. But at a high level for tangible goals, I think if you want to make a big impact in, in North America, there's three paths. There's three ideal paths to take. The first is by joining a uh, um, a transformative company. So that company could be a big company or a small company. And I think joining a company is is very underrated for some reason. Right now we're all about entrepreneurship, but companies are the ones with all the smart people. They're the ones with the resources. Right. Like if you join a Google, they already have a brand. You're going to be able to make oh, insane amounts of impact if you join a transformative company. Yeah, I mean, I, I worked at Amazon and, you know, the amount of, they don't have to go begging venture capitalists for VC dollars, they can just make a billion dollar bet on a on a whim, right? And yeah. Whereas in, in a startup, you could, you know, kind of cap in hand going around asking for a couple million bucks. <laughs> yeah. And I think I think when you join a company, you're joining people who are passionate about solving something, especially if it's like one of those transformative companies. So even if it's like a, a startup that's doing stuff with like CRISPR gene editing, well, you're joining a team of people who are super passionate about that thing. You don't need to like recreate it. Right. It's already there. Like those are some of the most important things, especially if they raise money and whatever. Okay, so that's so the that's first thing, way. joining a transformative startup or large company. The second is starting your own transformative company. Um, and I think just from my experience and people might disagree, I don't know, but I think you should only start something if no one else is doing it and like you literally have to start it for it to happen. Like I didn't see anybody doing anything like TKS, so there was no one I could join. So it's like, okay, I have to start this. And I think a lot of people are very like money driven. Right. And like obviously many of these companies have worked. I won't name any names, but there's so many copycat companies that just do the same yep. thing and make a lot of money. That's cool. It depends on what your goals are. My goal is not necessarily like gaining as much wealth as possible. It's it's more making as much impact as possible, which is why in TKS, we talk about creating unicorn people. So in Silicon Valley, the goal is to create unicorn companies, right. companies that are valued at billions. Yep. Whereas in TKS, we want to create unicorn people, people that impact billions. The third is through research and invention. I think that's become more and more underrated today, um, especially when you kind of look closer into research, uh, especially at schools. It's not a great life. Like you don't get paid super well. It's very competitive. Um, it, it's it's really tough. You're writing a lot of grants to the government, you know. Yeah. Not a lot of glory. <laughs> yeah. And then you and then you join like a big company. Let's say you want to do AI research at one right. of the most, you know, well-funded companies in the world with the most smart people with the most resources. Where do you think you would go? Where do you think you would go to do some of the some of the most leading-edge AI research with some of the smartest people in the world? I mean, I, I would say Amazon, Facebook, Google, Apple. You, you can basically, you know. How crazy. You would go to. Shoulder to shoulder with PhDs and, and learn from them. Yeah, you so you didn't say MIT or Harvard or Stanford. Well, you or, also have to think about who right. has the data to even train models. Right. And so, I mean, those companies are the, they have like what's more valuable than oil, right? Like of, the, of our generation. And they've got all these databases with trillions and trillions of records and they can spin up machine learning infrastructure and AI overnight, right? So how crazy is it that to go to the 
to, to do the most leading edge, cutting edge research, you would go to companies whose goal is to sell ads, whose goal is to send you an item as quickly as possible, whose goal is to get you to click a like right. button. Those are where the smartest people in the world are. What the hell is happening? Like if an alien came to earth and was like, where are your smartest people? And someone points to Snapchat. That's what the world we live in. Like no one's pointing to the genetic engineering company that's using machine learning to come up with new drug discoveries to figure out what genes to turn on and off and then, you know, reverse aging or whatever. Like that's not where people are pointing. Right. What? <laughs> it's optimizing ad spend. When I was at Amazon, you know, the machine learning scientists, a good chunk of them were devoted to basically forecasting and predicting keywords, supply and demand. And these guys, you know, best universities, very, you know, well paid. But it just underscores your point that, like, those folks, that brain power could be devoted towards genomics, ener alternative energy, all these other sorts of you know, problems that could basically turn scarcity in our world into abundance. And what they're really doing is, you know, supply and demand curves of, uh, of you know, keywords for, for AdWord engines. <laughs> so that's exactly it. Like, when you, when you take young people who are curious, who are driven, who want to make an impact, and you show them, like, here are places where you can. You don't have to just go to you know, Snapchat's filters team to work right. in AI. Like you can use computer vision to detect, you know, benign and malignant tumor cells. Like you right. can do that, that's a thing. And just exposing people to here are problems in the world. Here's where not many smart people are working on them. Here's where you have the ability to actually change the way the future is gonna go, to create your own future and you can start now. I think that's so powerful. And then when you surround these people with each other, they get a ton of these positive feedback loops. So going back to that question you asked me a while ago now, you know, what are these kids doing? Well, you're seeing kids, first of all, creating really interesting projects and companies. One of our oldest students, who's not even 20 years old yet, by the way, he started a company called Synex Medical. They're developing new methods to detect glucose levels non-invasively. That's crazy. You have um, students that are working at places like IBM and their AI team, Microsoft. They're 15, 16 years old. One of our students just finished high school, got a full-time offer as a quantum engineer at Rigetti, which is arguably one of the best quantum computing companies in the world. That doesn't happen. Another one, another one of our students, I think she just turned 16, she's working at Sanctuary AI in Vancouver that's working on uh, general intelligence, so AGI. That's incredible. I mean, Navid, I, I fundamentally believe that like artificial intelligence right now at our point in society is kind of analogous to like how electricity was in like you know, the Westinghouse and, and, and Edison days. Um, it's just going to fundamentally change everything. And our, our I, pers I mean, I, I believe our educational infrastructure is not, you know, the traditional four-year degree and then grad school. It's just clearly not keeping a pace. So how, how would you, would one way to ar be articulate TKS be it's sort of like a Montessori school 
um, focused at project-based learning with the objective of self-actualization, but also with the objective to help sort of give these younger students who are high, high potential tailwinds to, to work on, you know, moonshot problems, whether it be in genomics, artificial intelligence, energy, medical device, whatever. I, I could tell you how I like describing it, but Raheem's seen a lot of these kids. He's been to the sessions. How would you describe it? To, to me, TKS is a, I mean, it's, an, it's a human incubator accelerator, right? You're, you're discovering, you're, uh, you're thinking about problems that no one else is thinking about, right? I think one of the biggest things that, you know, yes, it, it's project-based learning, but even before that, just kind of getting exposure to these kinds of topics uh, changes the way kids perceive, you know, what is possible, right? So like Naveed was saying, the idea of, okay, you can take, you know, machine learning and apply it to, you know, uh, cancer research, right? Just nobody asked you to do that before you go to TKS, right? Before, before you got there, nobody's asking you to think about that problem. And then I think what it also does is it allows you to, uh, it allows students in terms of, we talk about self-actualization, you know, it allows students to build kind of a belief in themselves that they're that they're actually able to accomplish these things, right? They can go and, and they can learn, um, hey, you know, I need to learn how to build a machine learning model to do this, you know, X, Y, and Z. I can learn how to do that on YouTube. I can build, a, uh, you know, a quick version and then I can get some feedback and I can do it with the support of, a, of an environment, right, which is actually propelling me forward versus telling me to focus on, you know, the traditional things. Um, and I think that environment kind of, it has it has lasting effects, right? Because like you, like you see with some of these TKS students who started, you know, I, I was involved with the program, you know, several years ago. It's fundamentally changed the way uh, kids have uh, think about themselves and what's possible, and it opens their eyes to the different kinds of problems that they could actually help solve and how they could impact billions. So I think, you know. I'm not super familiar with the Montessori system, uh, but if the Montessori system does that, then I guess, then I guess it's similar. But uh, yeah, I'll tell you how I I describe it. And like, yeah, that was awesome. One, one thing, that, by the way, that's really cool is like Raheem was there in like our first Toronto program, so he's seen okay. like kids come in, just like as random kids, really? and now they're like on stages at like South by Southwest <laughs> Web Summit TED Talks. Yeah, and it's crazy, wow. right? Um, so the way here's the way I like to describe TKS. You look at places like, you know, China, America, just across the world. For the Olympics, you find young kids who show some talent. You put them through this like crazy training with super smart people around other people who are insanely talented towards this like big audacious goal. TKS is Olympic level training, but instead of for swimmers or for athletes, it's for thinkers, it's for CEOs, it's for innovators, it's for inventors and pioneers. That's what TKS is. And so just like how if you did Olympic level training, you would have incredible trainers teaching you best practices, getting you into the mindset, surrounding you by other driven people that want to achieve a big goal. That's what we do. And that's how we build uh, everything around TKS. The difference though is that our goal isn't about winning medals. Our goal is about reaching your full potential, which is a really interesting thing because you're not actually competing with anyone in TKS. The only person you're competing with is yourself. 
and you're and and you're collaborating with everyone to get yourself better every day, which is fundamentally different than every other place in the world. We everything is just competitive today, and it's such a toxic culture. Whereas in TCAS, we're super collaborative because of that idea where you're not competing with anyone. You're just trying to be better, and I don't think that anyone that exists today in the world is is close to a hundred percent of their full potential. Right. I think people like Elon Musk is probably at like sixty percent. Think about where we are. Probably right. like thirty or forty percent. Like no one ever trained me to think a certain way. No one ever like guided me with the right mindset, with the right skills, or anything like that. I had to just figure that out myself. But now. We're giving the best practices throughout history to these kids when they're like 12, 13 years old and now nine years old. Like we're creating environments for them surrounded with the smartest people. Like this podcast, we could never have done this like 10 years ago. Today, TKS kids are listening to, like this morning I sent a, a, a talk between Jack Ma and Elon Musk at the World AI Summit. These kids are listening to that. I never was listening to that when right. I was like yeah. 13 years old. Right. And then if you look at our Slack group, we're having a huge discussion about that because Jack Ma believes one thing. Elon believes another thing. And like, that's what they're exposed to. You know what I was wow. doing? I was watching The Simpsons. I wasn't debating like who was right. Jack Ma, Elon Musk and dissecting the arguments. Right. right? Yeah. I think I, I'm excited. I think that's kind of what drives me a lot is is on one side this this kind of passion and, and commitment to wanting to like solve the world's biggest problems through developing people. And on the other side, just like the excitement about these kids and what they'll be able to do with this community and with this guidance. Um, like that's what gets me excited every morning. And, and Elon Musk at South by Southwest said, he said something along the lines of like, we shouldn't we shouldn't wake up one day after another trying to solve just another problem. Like you should wake up excited. You know, you should, you should do something exciting, excited to work on, something like that. And like that really clicked with me because even even if like I believe I'm trying to do like the most admirable thing, the most fulfilling thing I could possibly do, there's still days where you have to do hard things and things that you don't want to do. But I think if you're excited for the day and you're if you're excited for the next day and if you're excited for the day that's gonna happen in 10 years, I think that's the best way to choose how you want to spend your time. Whether or not you're starting a company, it doesn't matter. I think whatever you decide to do, you should do it because it gets you excited to wake up in the morning and it will continue to get you excited to wake up, you know, in the in 10 years from now. So what, what about adolescence? I mean, what about being a kid, you know? I, I mean, I want, so... My, my story, my educational journey is actually quite interesting. You know, I'm, I'm at Harvard Business School now as an MBA student. But if you pull, you know, if you met me um, when I was 15, 16, I would have been the last person you would have thought would ever end up here. You know, I graduated high school with like a 2.0 GPA, lots of mountain biking, lots of skiing, lots of, you know, other life stuff was happening. Um, but I'm just trying to put, you know, the my contrarian hat on. Isn't there an argument to, towards being a kid, having space, letting your your you know maybe brain develop and your social sort of dynamic evolve as opposed to hitting life running, you know, um, f from from such a young age at 13? I mean, 
what, what do you think about that? So it's, it's actually hilarious because some of these kids, when they're speaking at conferences, like when we were at Web Summit in Portugal, we're in the speaker's lounge, right? And one of the other female speakers goes up to one of our, our students, female students, and says, you know what? My advice to you is just be a kid. Enjoy being a kid. And this girl comes up to me after and she's like, some like lady just told me like I should just enjoy being a kid and like stop working so hard. I'm like, well, what do you think about that? And she's like, that's the stupid advice, stupidest advice anyone has ever told me. Like, this is what I enjoy doing. I love learning. I love speaking at conferences. I love meeting people. I love challenging myself. So just like how, you know, some people love dirt biking. Well, Running marathons some people, yeah, whatever the challenge. Other yeah. people might love learning about physics and yeah. learning about quantum computing. Now, now, like, this doesn't mean these kids are, like, in a room 24-7 staring at a computer screen. No, like, some well, of yeah, our kids I mean, are singing at, at, like, at different events. Like, we have singers. We have people that play sports. We, like, they're not these one-dimensional human beings. And, and it sounds like your model's not just, like, even though the tagline is developing the next Elon Musk's, your model does not have it in mind that everyone needs to be like a tech founder, right? Because you, you mentioned like, hey, to be successful in life, you actually have to develop kindness, right? And like my educational, like one thing I always tell people about my educational upbringing was, why did I do so poorly in high school? Well, part of it is I'm actually like pretty good at like leadership guess? and connection, connecting people. But I may not be the best individual contributor, right? So he, here's what I think. I think people that don't do well in high school is because, one, they don't know why what they're learning is important. Number two, they don't actually want to do well, like have that, that drive to get yeah, good grades. Right. And then, you know, then there's other reasons, like, you know, some people aren't good at tests and da-da-da, but I think, like, the top two things is, is like they just don't know why what they're learning is important and yeah. then they don't actually want to get good grades. I actually don't think high school is hard. Like I've seen the test. Like I did it myself. It's not that hard. You just have to put in the time. <laughs> Some people put yeah. more time than others. But you don't want to put in the time because you don't know why you should put in the time. It sounds but, like a waste. But my, my point about bringing high school up was, you know, I, I can't think of another educational institution that has it, you know, written as a goal on the wall. Hey, we want to we want to teach our students to be kind let alone like teach our students to be good you know leaders or followers or i mean it, it, it's such an interesting perspective that you guys have that you want to develop you know uh maybe character traits in people m maybe more so than the outcomes of like oh you need to be a tech founder or whatever i think one of the the big traits that's lacking today is thoughtfulness I don't think people are, are that thoughtful and obviously like people would disagree if you're like hey are you thoughtful they'd be like yeah of course I'm thoughtful <laughs> I don't think that's the case like I think if we were thoughtful um, we wouldn't have a lot of the issues that we have today and, and I won't like name any specific ones but I'm sure many of you can think of whether they're political issues whether they are you know fake news issues whatever the case is there's a lot of things that stem down to just were the people in charge being thoughtful or even were the people just on the ground being thoughtful when we started TKS, my brother and I thought, okay, if we're literally trying to develop people to solve the world's biggest problems with emerging technologies, if you have these people 
using things like synthetic biology, gene editing, quantum computing, AI, they could, they could mess up the whole world. Like if we end up right. killing ourselves as a species, it's going to be because of these emerging technologies, right? Yeah. It's not going to be because of global warming. I, well, yeah, I mean, I mean, imagine if, I mean, there's some some folks, uh, Bryce, our executive producer, and I were just at the MIT Media Lab, and uh, we were talking to some folks about how they're working on some things where basically you could have a printer, just like you have a printer that prints paper in your home, but instead it, it could print, you know, yogurt, and it's like not only can that be used to print yogurt, but that could actually be used to print other biological organisms that can develop into viruses and so forth. So to your just underscoring your point that like, you know, synthetic biology is this whole can of worms that, you know, has some serious ethics and, and ramifications. Yeah. What one really good talk is a side tangent. Um, if you're interested more in like this stuff, Rob Reed. Um, if you just YouTube him, he has a great podcast called After On, one of my favorites. His his TED Talk on this stuff is great. Um, but big deal. Anyways, for developing people like that, <laughs> and you just focus on the, the technology or the science and the information, I think that's ridiculous. That's crazy. You're basically giving people the equivalent of, like, nuclear weapons and saying, oh, do what you want. No. Like, you got to train people. The interesting thing here is, when you think about values and character, where does that come from? Family. Usually it comes from family, right? Obviously not school because there's no class on like character in school. There's no class on making friends in school. Like there's no class on any of that stuff. It, so would, it, comes, it, it would come par partially from where, from the people you hang out with, right? Like you kind of said earlier, you know, your five closest friends. So you do build, not it's not from the school curriculum, but you'll you'll develop it while you're at school. Yeah. So what what we expect today is we expect that all these like good traits that we that we want humans to build will come from their family. We just expect that oh your parents will teach you good things, right? Now what's the reality? The reality is what you said. Like how much how many minutes a day do you think kids have? like deep conversations about character traits with their parents. When you think about the amount of time a kid's on Snapchat versus having conversations about character traits with their parents, it's disproportional. Right. And then when you peel the layer a little bit more, okay, let's say, let's even just say that parents are the ones that are still giving their kids these, these traits. Well, those traits are usually stemmed from religion. Yeah. So religion usually has a lot of these fundamental character traits and goals about being a human. Right. That's basically your education system on how to be a good human, right? You either have the Ten Commandments or you look at the, the Torah or the Quran or whatever it is. Like they basically tell you how to live. When you think about the correlation between uncertainty and religion, it's very high. The more uncertain the world has been, the more religious people have been. Today, the world is becoming more and more certain. We understand it much more. We understand how thunder works. So we don't believe in Zeus. We understand how the sun works. We don't believe in Apollo. Like there's so many different things that we know now. And as we start to understand the world more and more, the result has people have become less and less religious. Pair that with connectivity and people being able to listen to people like Sam Harris, you start getting more and more people that are becoming less and less religious. Now, 
one of the downsides of that is you start losing all the positive stuff from religion. Like regardless of if God exists or not, if certain religions true or not, the teachings, there are many great teachings. Like be a kind person is in almost mm-hmm. every religion. Yeah. And so those teachings get missed now because secularism. Know, we we stop following the religion right. as a whole because we don't believe in the the end goal of it. But then now we don't get the splash side effects. We don't get the the parts where we should be kind. We don't get the parts of community that's developed in, in those areas. And we don't feel a sense of belonging. And so we end up, you know, missing a huge piece of that. Of communal d- development. I'll pass it to you for one last question. We're short on people who are doing all these kinds of things. You're working on and exploring all kinds of topics that are that uh, you know TKS students are working on that could impact billions, right? And so, in your perspective, for an aspiring entrepreneur, innovator, world changer, you know, what are the three topics they should look into that people should look into that are a little bit underrated in terms of the impact they're going to have on the human population as a whole in the next let's let's call it the next ten to fifteen years. So I'll, I'll answer that question in two parts. I'd say the, there's three things you should look at in three different areas. So there's three high-level things and then three specific things. The three high-level things is the first thing is you should look at yourself. <laughs> uh, yeah. So in order of importance today, here's what matters. Character, network, and then knowledge. And add Absolutely. bucket skills into that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Character, then network. Think about it. That's nuts. You and other people matter more than what you know or what you can do today. Wow. And so that's the first thing I would say. Stop looking outside. Like look inside and think like, am I someone that people even want to be around? Do I have a level of self-awareness? Like how much do I know? Yeah. So that's the first part. The second part on three things now to look at about what's happening and what's, what's changing a lot in the world. Synthetic biology is one of the most underrated things right now. Um, Synbio, a lot of people just kind of shorten that. It, it is the new technology, in my opinion. You have things like cellular agriculture, uh, creating lab-grown meat, uh, bioprinting, uh, organs, things like that. The next trillion-dollar companies are going to be Absolutely. in Synbio. I, I, just not, not to derail you too far here, but I always have, have in the past, like, I went down a pretty big rabbit hole the last six months, like researching this stuff, and I 1,000% agree with you. Like Jeff Bezos's net worth will look like my net worth relative to his in comparison to the person who can marginally increase our life expectancy five years, ten years. I mean, Jeff Bezos would give up his entire net worth for ten more years on life, right? So mm-hmm. to underscore your point, I I think our journey has just begun. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. So that, that's the first thing I would look at. Second thing, so if if we're talking about the future and, and emerging technologies and stuff, because I want to say philosophy, but that's like that's more of like part of the first part. Mm-hmm. So Synbio, the second thing I would look deeper into is I would say energy. So part of energy uh, fusion is a big one right now. Uh, we never thought we would have achieved fusion till much later, but that's becoming less and less true. There's a lot of smart people that are 
are working on it and achieving some really interesting results, uh, along with things like wireless energy. Um, you know, wireless energy is, it, it's actually crazy that we don't have more wireless energy. Like Nikola Tesla already figured it out and he was building the Tesla tower and we were supposed to have wireless energy throughout the whole world. And, you know, Thomas Edison might've played a part in not made that making that happen, um, <laughs> regardless of the physics if people are, are understand it. But, but energy is, is a really interesting and, and really big thing. So the first one again was Symbio, the second one energy. Um, and then I think the third thing is, this is for, for just most people out there that are like, oh, you know, I'm not interested in sciences too much. Maybe I'm not interested in, wire, in energy, whatever. Like just the, the thing that everyone already knows, like freaking AI. Like, I, it's got to mm-hmm. be artificial intelligence. Like that, this I mean, thing. To, to, you mentioned philosophy as a dark horse you wanted to mention, but AI could potentially discover higher levels of abstraction and philosophy and ethics that our human brain cannot operate at, right? So, I mean, just to underscore the point that artificial intelligence will be ubiquitous and will change almost everything we interact with. It will. It, it, AI isn't a technology. It's not the same as as blockchain. It's not the right. same as virtual reality. Right. It's an infrastructure, and that's right. what a lot of people get confused Absolutely. about. There is no AI company. You are a pharma company that just uses AI like you would use electricity. anything else. Electricity, it's like saying yeah. I'm an electricity company. It's exactly. Like, who, you know. <laughs> so that, that's the thing I think some people understand. Um, and I think it's also a thing a lot of other people don't understand, especially non-technical people. They think AI is a technology that's used in like a small area or something. Right. It's not. It, it's a... It's a huge infrastructure that will affect anything that uses data. Right. Well, Naveed, uh, thank you so much for your time. This has been a really interesting conversation that's yeah. taken us a lot of Thanks. a lot of different places. Uh, before we go, anything you want to plug on TKS and let the listeners know um, what they shouldn't, what they need to know about the Knowledge Society. Yeah, and, and where where can people find you on social, wherever? Yeah. So for TKS. Big things I really want to highlight is one, if if you know any smart kids like 13 to 17 years old, they don't have to know anything before joining. So that's a big misconception. We're not just looking for like these all stars. When you're 13, you haven't done anything. Like we know that. So <laughs> all we're looking for is like that curiosity, that drive, that potential, that j- just that interest. So you don't have to know anything. You don't have to know how to code, none of that stuff. The second one is that this, this we do charge uh, students to be in the program, but we have tons of financial aid for low-income families. So we are really looking for the right people, and we are going to support those people as best we can. So don't let that money part stop you. That just has to exist because we need to hire people, and you know we don't we're not run by the government. <laughs> um, the third thing is check it out at www.thekcsociety.com. So it's K for knowledge, thekcsociety.com. Check out what these kids are doing. Like go to the student spotlight page, read their spotlights, watch their talks. Um, It's super, super cool. And when you just hear about it, it's like, oh yeah, another kids program. But when you see these kids and when you learn their stories, it will blow your mind. So definitely check that out um, and and follow the the Instagram or Twitter or whatever you want to do to stay updated. But really what I care about is just finding the most curious driven kids in the world and connecting them with each other. We're in Boston, New York, 
Ottawa, Las Vegas, Toronto. You know, we're expanding to cities around the world. And so what I would also say, probably the most important piece, if you listen for this long, you know, you might be a good fit for this. We're looking for the directors in every city. So if you're someone that is super passionate about mentoring and want to be like this Olympic level mentor, you want to learn about emerging technologies, you want to actually be in a position to learn about philosophy and optimize yourself so you can optimize others. We're really looking for people to run this program um, in all these different cities. Uh, so that's the city director role. You can just you know message me directly for that role. It's super important. You know, we, we pay higher than normal education salaries, <laughs> you know, like you don't have to take a huge pay cut or anything um, because we do want to find the best people so we can educate, you know, people that will change the world. And what, what cities are you looking for? All cities. Yeah, okay. all cities. The way the way our expansion strategy works is that um, we find the director first. And if they're great, we'll build a program in that Got city. It. Awesome. Yeah. And Navid, where can people find you uh, or follow TKS? So Instagram, Twitter, they're both The Case Society. So at The Case Society uh, and then our website. Yeah, and we'll, we'll link in show notes. Cool, so, cool, cool. Awesome. Thanks so much, Navid. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to Start by Harvard Business School's Entrepreneurship Club. Subscribe and rate us wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll see you next time.